I'm excited to be able to jump on this series with you all on spirit life. And what I'm going to be talking to you about this morning is called course corrections, course corrections. And I don't know if you've heard that term before, uh, but a course correction, and, and really we're talking kind of as a subtitle about how God directs us in the midst of chaos. How many of you would be honest and say that we're in a season in our world where we see a lot of chaos? We see a lot of disorder and confusion, but what I like about being a believer and belonging to God is that whatever is going on out there does not have to get inside of here. When I realize that I live by a spiritual reality, I live connected to Christ, that I can walk as a light and a witness of Christ in this world and trust that the Holy Spirit will lead me, he'll guide me, he'll direct me even in the midst of chaos. How many would be honest and raise your hand and say, I felt the chaos, I felt it, um, I've seen it, social media, TV, whatever. But how many of you know that God will allow us to be peacemakers and to have peace in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos? And so when I thought about this thought of, of course corrections, um, it, it really deals with a spacecraft. And when a spacecraft gets off course, or it gets off its trajectory or off of its path, it has to be put back on the right path. And many times we have seasons in our life that are just the same, that we, uh, as we're going on our journey, we get off the path, but thank God for the Holy Spirit who will nudge us and put us back on the right path that we need to be. But what happens is, is that when a spacecraft gets off um, of this path, so to speak, then first its location has to be charted. And then, and then, the, they have to realize, well, how fast is this going? Catch this. Uh, you, when God has to say, where are you? How fast are you moving? How slow are you moving? And I just got to get you on the right path by getting your pace in line with my pace, getting your agenda in line with my agenda. If you're not careful and we don't allow God to set our agenda, then the world will. If we don't allow God to set our agenda, then culture will. But I say again, thank God for the Holy Spirit who will always keep us on the right path. My grandmother used to say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. She's like, son, your own understanding will get you in trouble. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? He will direct your path. And we need him to direct our path in our world and in our lives like never before. Uh, one of my favorite uh, leaders is Bishop Dale Bronner, and he says this. He says that when we come into this world, we look like our mother and father. But when we die, we look like our decisions. Think about that for a minute. We come into this world looking like a baby. You, you've seen it. A baby is born. You look like your daddy. That boy looks like his mama. And then sometimes you look at, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> But ultimately, when we leave this world, each and every one of us, you and I, we look like our decisions. And I don't know of a more critical time that we need to be aware of the decisions and guided in our decisions than right now in the midst of the chaos. Psalm 61.2 says this. It says, from the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. I don't know of a, a more appropriate way to describe the feeling that many have in this season in our world than simply being overwhelmed. We know how to do the church smile. We know how to do the Christian. I'm walking in highly favored and I'm blessed. But some of us on the inside, we're overwhelmed. 
We're overwhelmed by what we see on TV. We're overwhelmed by what we see on the news. We're overwhelmed by all the things that are being shared on social media. We're overwhelmed by even this pandemic that is going on in our world. And when am I going to be able to get back to work? And when am I going to be able to deal with my business again? When are we going to be able to do kingdom work as usual? And I want to challenge you that in the midst of being overwhelmed, God says, I want you to come to me, the rock of safety. He says, lead me to the rock of safety. Some, some translations say, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. In other words, I want you to come to a place as believers that's above the situations that you're looking at. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of racial tension, I want you to come above that to a place of perfect perspective that we can only find in Jesus Christ. How many of you know that Jesus Christ and the church is still the hope of the world? But if we don't keep our eyes in the right place, and many of us as sheep, we're prone, we're prone to wander on this world. We're tested with sickness. We're tested with lack. We're tested with struggles. And sometimes it steers us off the path and we need our hope in Jesus to give us a course correction. I just need you to get back on path, back on the right focus, which is me. So I've already said this, but one of the critical times to make sure that we are headed in the right direction is when we're overwhelmed. How many of you know that when you're going through a lot and the storm seems to be raging in your life, then we are prone to make bad decisions. We're prone to make rushed decisions. And what happens is that the urgent ends up taking the place of the important. And so rather than focus on loving God, loving one another, building each other up, we end up inadvertently in the midst of chaos, rushing, making bad decisions and tearing each other down. But these seasons and these times of chaos, we need clarity. Somebody say clarity. It's all right if you talk back to me. Uh, I'm just kind of used to that. That's okay. But, but anyway, we need clarity. And that clarity will not come from any newspaper. It's not going to come from Fox or CNN. Clarity comes from the Word of God. It comes from asking the Holy Spirit to shine a light on the word of God so that the pages and the scriptures jump out at me in the midst of the chaos and remind me that I'm going to make it. Remind me that this is the way you need to go, my dear brother. This is the way you need to go, my dear sister. I don't care what the world is saying. God's saying, I got you covered in the midst of the storm. I know it seems tight right now, but I got you. I got you. How many of you would be honest? Sometimes I just need to be reminded that God cares, that he loves me, that he's concerned, and that he's showing me which way to go. And see, the challenge in the midst of being directed in the midst of the chaos is that sometimes he doesn't give us the complete picture. And if you're like me, a routine person who likes things done the same way every time, and I like to see what the finished product is, sometimes you can get frustrated because God is leading you step by step in the midst of the storm. And while we're praying, get me out of the chaos, he's saying, no, I want to remind you that I'm present with you and I love you in the chaos. Proverbs 24.10 says this. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And I looked at the scripture for a minute and I said, you know what? All of us need to be reminded at times that our strength our ability, our capacity is small, but his is everlasting. His is unlimited. His is eternal. And in the midst of the storm, I don't have to faint. I just have to remind that when my ability, I'm at the end of my ability, I've reached the beginning of God's ability. 
See, I just want to you, build your faith this morning because we have so many messages coming at us left and right about how it's going to be, and this is right, and this is wrong. And I just want to challenge you in the midst of your adversity that God is there. And so the same test that you think is going to kill you, God is going to use to build you. What the enemy thought was going to take you out Ruin your family, ruin your life, ruin your business, ruin your friendship. God is saying, I'll take all of that. I'm such a wise master craftsman that I can take all of that and weave it together for your greatest good and my highest glory. I believe Paul said it like this, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called what? According to his purpose. Jeremiah 12, 5 says this, if racing against mere men makes you tired. How will you race against the horses? If you stumble and fall on open ground, what will you do in the thickets near the Jordan? Why did you choose this passage of scripture? Because many of us are feeling the weight of what's going on in our world right now. And I wanna give you some bad good news. And that's this, you feel like you're at the end of it, but I want to challenge you that you're right at the beginning of it. But the good news is that God is capable of using you in the midst of it. The greatest time for light to shine is in the midst of the darkness. And so we can sit there, and I thought about this, we can sit as believers in this season and we can complain about how dark it is or we can turn on the light. What kind of sense would it make for us to go into our house and no lights are on and it's dark and we're tripping over everything and all we do is complain to one another about how dark it is. When somebody's right by the light switch and all you gotta do is just turn on the light. Each and every one of us who are connected to Christ in the midst of wherever you are in the sphere of influence that you're in, the Holy Spirit can lead you to just flip the light on. And you know what happens when you flip the light on? Jesus says this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify not me, but him. And so what I want to challenge you with is that how we handle here, this is all introduction, but the good news is I don't preach very long. <laughs> how we handle here will determine how we handle there. How we handle here will determine how we handle there. What I found in the midst of our greatest tests, some of our greatest tests, we don't even realize what's actually being tested. Some of us think that we're being tested in one area and God is really saying, I just wanna see if you're gonna be able to discern my voice and listen to me in the midst of all the other noise. Do you realize that noise doesn't always equal power? There's a lot of noise going on in our world right now. But the Holy Spirit is the one that has the power. And the good news about being a believer is we're always operating with inside information. That means we have an advantage that in the midst of everything that, that people tell you, you should do this, you should do that, don't do this, don't do that. As a believer, you have privileged information. That means I don't care what you're telling me we should do because the Holy Spirit speaks to us every single day. And I'm telling you that there's no more important time than right now that we, we don't merely, shouldn't merely just desire to hear from God and desire to have direction from God. We have to have it. 
as, as believers, we have to be desperate for the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to lead us, and, and to guide us in practical ways in this season. Everything is, you know, there are seasons where we need to get on our knees and worship and lift our hands and, and do that. And there's other times where we need to, to just tune our ears in and say, God, what are you saying in this moment? What do you want us to do? And so with that, we come to one of my favorite Bible characters who finds himself in the midst of chaos. And his name is Elijah. What we find first about Elijah is this, is that destiny can often be delayed or derailed by distractions and disappointment. Say that again. Destiny can often seem delayed and derailed by distractions and disappointment. Let me say it to you this way. We all get discouraged when what we see does not look like what God said. You know, I got a promise from God. God is going to do this in my life. I know God is going to work in my life. I know the Holy Spirit spoke to me. But then when I open my eyes and I look at my world and I look at the situations that I'm dealing with in my life, nothing that I see looks like what God said. And in the midst of that, God, are you really moving? Are you really leading? Did I, did I make the wrong decision because everything seems to be opposite of what you promised? And Elijah finds himself there, and many of us find ourselves there. And the challenge is, is most of us there at that very point is the time that we give up. We toss it all aside. I should have never tried. I should have just stayed where I was. But God never speaks to a man or woman to keep them where they are. He always challenges you to come up higher, to go further in him, to hear him more clearly. So let's pick it up in 1 Kings chapter 19. Verses one through three, and it says, now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Now, to, to just give you a, a brief inter, in, introduction to what's happening here is Elijah's just won this amazing war against hundreds and hundreds of other false prophets. And what you would think is that in the midst of that great victory, he had so much confidence because he had seen God move in a mighty way. How many of you, by show of hands, have had God move in your life in some kind of way? And so your faith is high, and you're enthusiastic, and you're passionate. And, it's, and you know, it's actually in those times that we need to make sure that we're hearing the voice of God clearly. See, many times we feel like it's in our weakness and in our vulnerability that we need to hear God, and we do. But I want to challenge you that some of the most challenging and strategic moments for the enemy is after great success. And so he's had this great victory. And then here's what happens. It says, then Jezebel sent a message, a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me. And even more, if I do not make your life as one of them by tomorrow at this time. So Jezebel is saying, look, all those prophets that just died, you're next. You're going to experience the same fate that they did. And what happens is after we experience great victories, I want to challenge you that sometimes the enemy will come and whisper in your ear. And you know what he says? It's, it's almost over for you. I know you did good, but that's as far as you go. And this is what Jezebel is saying here. And so it says, if I don't make your life as the life of one of those by tomorrow at this time. And look at the next verse. It says, and he was afraid. And this, this text really bothered me because it creates a chaotic situation in Elijah's life. How do you defeat hundreds and hundreds of prophets and then have the voice of one person say to you, I'm going to kill you. 
and it makes you afraid. And I didn't read it judgmentally because then I began to look at myself and said, I've had some great moments with God and then seemingly the silly, small, insignificant situations bring me all the way down. You ever had one of those gut punches? It's like a kick in the gut, man. You were celebrating, raising your hand, worshiping God, and then you got a phone call. And you got a text that created chaos and disorder in your mind and in your heart. And this is what's happening here. Elijah got a text from Jezebel. And he was afraid. And here's the next thing. And he arose and ran for his life. And he came to Beersheba, what belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. So here's the principle. Our most vulnerable moments are often after our greatest victories, not our greatest defeats. I want you to really pause and think about that. They're not after our greatest defeats. Some of those wide open moments and opportunities that the enemy is looking for is after you have just won an amazing battle. It says not only was he afraid, but he ran for his life. Does that text bother you like it bothers me? I mean, you defeated a hundred false prophets and you got one text and you ran for your life. There's a thin line between fear and faith. See, we often think that they are on extreme opposite sides of the field, but I want to tell you that there's actually a very thin line between fear and faith, because all it takes is one set of bad news. All it takes is one text, one phone call, and you can find yourself on the mountain in one minute and the valley in the next. And that's where he finds himself, in the midst of personal and internal chaos because of one message. This is why we have to be careful where we get our information from. This is why we've got to be careful that we don't live on social media. Is it all right if I talk like this? We got to be careful about, because see, and, and I may get ahead of myself, but the voice we listen to is the voice we believe, and the voice we believe is the voice we'll follow. So whatever is in your ear, whatever has your attention the most, at some point, that's going to be the voice that you follow. That's why I like peeking in on Lifeway so much, because you believe in prayer. Believe in the Holy Spirit, believe in fasting, believe in hearing from God. It's so important because whatever is coming into your heart, into your mind, into your eyes, and into your spirit, that is going to direct our lives. And so it's important that we be directed by the Holy Spirit. To say it clearly, um, if you're taking notes, the voice we choose to listen to is the voice we will always believe. And the voice we believe is the voice we will always follow. We will always follow, listen, what we believe to be true. What we believe to be true is whatever we give our attention to. So for whatever reason, Elijah felt like Jezebel had the power not only to threaten him, but to follow through on his threat. And that's what happens when the enemy whispers in our chaos. He comes, he, he just visits by your house. He doesn't really have any power over you, but he'll come and visit your house and say, you know what, you, you're not going to make it out of this. This is the end for you. You're never going to get your job back. Business is never going to open up again. Life is never going to be the same. Marriage is never going to work. You know, all this stuff that he whispers. And if the voice of God is not more profound in your life, in the midst of chaos, than the voice of the enemy, you're going to struggle. 
let's keep on going because we can do this. First uh, Kings chapter 19, verse four, it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die. Now, wait a minute. He's running for his life, but he is asking to die. You, you, understand what, you, you understand what chaos does to you? What chaos does to you, if it's not checked by the Holy Spirit, is it makes even your internal thoughts not make sense. He ran from Jezebel to save his life, and then after Jay's journey, God, kill me. <laughs> you know why we can laugh about that? Because we've all had those moments. <laughs> I can't stand him. Why did he leave? She gets on my nerves, but I don't want to sleep on the couch. <laughs> you know, they just. <laughs> so, so, so it happens in the midst of our chaos. We have these, this, this tornado of thoughts that don't make sense, just like Elijah. I'm running for my life, but God, please kill me. And he said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life from no better than my father's. And so now, rather than look to God, he begins to look at himself, just like we do in the midst of our storm. Rather than look at God's power, we look at our lack of power. And so there are times, first thing, sorry, let me get ahead of myself. Now, never, never allow intimidation to speak louder than inspiration. Never allow the intimidation of the enemy to speak louder than the inspiration of God. Get as close to the Holy Spirit, get as close to the word of God as you possibly can so that that becomes your reality and more real to you than what you see. Here's the news. You know, some of us are like, I can't wait for the day that the enemy stops talking to me. Can't wait for the day that the enemy stops trying me and testing me in this way. More bad good news. He's not going to stop. So our reality in the word of God has to be more profound than the lies they say. See, uh, side note, this isn't our notes. The enemy has three weapons he always uses and they never change. Lies, deception, and accusation. They're the same three all the time. So if you realize that, you have to allow the word of God to be your redemption and your vindication in the midst of whatever you're going through. Now, there are times in which it's easier to escape than endure. You've been there. Have you ever had that prayer? God, get me out of this. Lord, set me free from this. And God's saying, I'm not going to take you out of this one. I'm going to let you stay in it. But the good news is like Daniel, uh, like the three Hebrew boys, in the midst of the fire, I'm going to show up and be right, right with you so that when you come out of it, you won't even look like what you've been through. I know it hurts right now. I feel you. I feel you. We've all been through an amazing trying, testing season. Anybody who says they haven't been is lying. This has been tough for all of us. But I want to tell you, on the other side of it, you won't even look like what you've been through. Fatigue and a lack of faith will cause us to flee from what we have the ability to face. How many of you, it's different when you're tired? Something happens when your body and your mind is tired and the enemy is like, okay, I'm coming now. It's a good opportunity for me to start lying to you, for me to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not adequate. I know why it's quiet, because we all deal with this. He visits in the night season and tells you that you, you, you don't measure up. 
And some of us need to get enough truth to say, I don't have to measure up because Christ did it for me. I don't have to, I don't have to, to meet some false uh, expectation of what you think I should be because Christ already did it for me. I'm already perfectly protected, perfectly empowered because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Okay, with God, you don't have to fight it, but you do have to face it. You don't have to fight it, but you do have to face it. This is what Elijah didn't realize at the time. He's like, I had to go with the power of God, but I had to go and deal with these prophets myself. But now I'm dealing with something that I don't think I can face on my own. So rather than face it, I'm going to run from it. Have you ever had so much pressure, so much chaos in your life that you felt, honestly, I'd rather leave here than deal with the consequences of what I'm going to have to deal with? It's almost like, I probably get in trouble for, for using this, but for those of us who are married, there's sometimes it's better to just, you, you're like, I'd rather not talk about it than deal with this conversation. <laughs> I'm not talking about me. Y'all don't look at me like that. <laughs> kind of got myself out there now. No, but you know how it is. You all know how it is. It's like, yeah, let's just um, talk about anything but what we need to talk about. And let's avoid it as much as possible. Let's run from it if possible. But I want to challenge you today with the fact that you don't have to run from anything that God is walking with you in. All right, we're almost done. And so he says in verse five, he lay down and slept under the juniper tree and behold, there was an angel touching him and he said to him, arise and eat. And then he looked and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. And so he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days. Man, that's a good meal. I don't know about y'all, but I like to eat. You ever go to a restaurant and a portion is like, man, where's the rest of it? <laughs> but, <laughs> but this meal, I need to slow down a little bit too. <laughs> but, 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 the, but I'm sitting, I'm like, man, God provides a meal that lasts 40 days that he can go into strength. And, and the principle that I drew from that is this, is that God will sustain us until we get to the place that he wants to speak to us. It's important to realize this because sometimes when you're praying and you're believing God and you're seeking the face of God, you, 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 you miss the fact that he may want to speak to you in a different place. So if he speaks to you and answers you in a different place, he's got to sustain you until he gets you to that point that he can speak to you. Course correction number one, the most certain path is always the path of God's word. When in doubt, the most important path is the path of God's word. I do not care what anybody tells you. Hold on and cling to the word of God. Cling to the promise, cling to the principle, cling to what he has said, no matter what you're facing, no matter how much pressure you're under, cling to the word of God. It will not fail. It says in verse 11, it says, so he, he said, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. It's important to know that God will tell you where to go in order to hear from him. Sometimes he tells you it's time to just get still and be quiet. You know, as believers, sometimes we talk too much. <laughs> just the reality. Not me, but maybe some of y'all. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, and so we have to get to the place where we learn to get still and be quiet. So he says, go forth and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. 
And a great and strong wind was rending the mountains and breaking in the pieces and the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. It's important to know what God is not in too. It's just a side note. And after the, the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. Your, your, your Bible might say a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here? You ever had God ask you, why are you at this stage? You ever felt the nudge of him saying, you know, why are you here? God's whisper and still small voice will always be more powerful than the shouting of your circumstances. I need you to really understand this. If you forget anything else that I said, circumstances will scream, but God will whisper. Why does he whisper? To just add to that, God only, the, the, the only course correction is not only God's word, but God's second course correction for us is his presence, his word and his presence. And this is important, but he whispers to us because whispers, watch this, Whispers require us to pay attention. Sometimes we're looking for God in the big boom. You've been there? We'll be honest, we like that. Man, God, man, wow, that was a really God moment. But a whisper means you have to lean in. A whisper means you have to come close. A whisper means that you have to get close enough and quiet yourself enough and calm yourself enough to hear what he's saying. Verse 14, then he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek my life to take it away. How many would be honest and say, I've had these moments in the midst of my chaos that I felt by myself? Felt like nobody could understand Nobody could relate. Nobody knew what I was dealing with. And what that does is it causes you to turn inward. You won't talk to anybody. You don't want to deal with anybody because you realize you feel like I'm the only one that's dealing with this in my mind and in my heart. And Elijah was in this place too. But the reality that he had to learn was this, is that we can walk in peace because God is willing to speak both to our past and to our present. See, we all live in this tension of, I remember how it was. I know where God said he was taking me, but in the midst of the chaos right now, I feel paralyzed. What do I do now? Verse 15, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you have arrived, you shall anoint Hazel king over Aram and Jehu, the son of Nemeshi. I hope I said that right. You shall anoint king over Israel and Elijah, the son of Shaphat, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So God says, you know what? In the midst of your chaos, I know what you've been through. I know what you've dealt with, but now I'm going to speak to your future. And this is where I wanted to get with each of us today is no matter where you find yourself, what side of the storm you find yourself on right now, 
God is not waiting to get in your future. He's already there. God doesn't have any emergencies. God is not having a board meeting right now saying, hey, boys, angels, let's figure out how we're going to help them. God does not have any urgent situations. And that ought to bring us peace because that means by the time we get to it, he's already got it figured out. All the problems in the midst of the chaos that we're trying to figure out, God is saying, if you just get still and listen, I'll lead you. The most practical thing we can do to have a spirit-led life is to quiet ourselves and listen. Psalm 46, 11, be still and know that I am God. And I will be honored by every nation and I will be honored throughout the world. See, stillness, listen, stillness is always the fruit of godly knowledge. So what the psalmist is saying is you can be still because you know. Y'all kiss that? Be still and know that I am God. So the, the thing that can slow us down to listen, the thing that can slow us down in the midst of the chaos, the thing that can help us to be led in the midst of the chaos is knowing that he is God. And so here's what I want to say by way of concluding. Very simply, probably the deepest thing I'll say in the whole message. I don't need to know how. I just need to know the God who will show me how. How many of you are dealing with situations that you're trying to figure out right now? Be honest. Struggles that I'm having in my life right now. You don't need to know how. You just need to know the God that will show you how. You don't need to know how. You just need to know the God that will show you how. Pastor, why are you keep repeating this? Because some of us need to get it. We will come and worship and sing and pray. And in the midst of that, we have so much assurance, but we'll leave saying, God, I don't know how. So I want to remind you just one more time before your pastor comes. You don't need to know how. You just need to know the God that will show you how. Put it back into the hands of your pastor at this time. God bless you. Yeah. Wow, what a good word. Pastor Shannon, thank you. That was an amazing message. Um, you don't need to know how, but you do need to know the God who does. I want to invite you to stand your feet. Jesus made a statement, a statement that can provoke any serious person about God to insecurity. And it's a statement he said, he said, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. They won't follow another. And I know if I got, if I could walk around the room and poll you and ask the question, hey, how confident are you in your hearing of the voice of God. Some of you say, I'm, I'm confident. I mean, I can feel conviction of sin. I know when I'm out of alignment and that's good. Conviction of sin is a sign you are in fact hearing the Lord that you're, when you're out of alignment. 
But there's some that it's even hard for you to do that. You, you have this inner sense and awareness that you don't know the God who knows how. And you don't know the God who can lead you through. And he wants to. In fact, I want to tell you that as we come into this season of, of listening to the voice of God and learning to hear him, that I believe God wants to take us on a journey of, of gaining confidence in that. But it starts with this. See, some of you may not be confident that you hear his voice because maybe you're not his yet. And that's not a judgment. That's an invitation. And the invitation is this. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, he said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. And most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming. And listen, listen, listen. And now is. The time that Jesus spoke this, people say they're going to hear this when we resurrected from the dead. You will most certainly hear his voice at the second coming of Christ. No doubt about it. But the time is coming and now is. Now is the time to hear his voice. And those who hear will live. Here's the word of God. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on a cross for your sins, to pay the punishment of our sins, which was death. And he died for us so that we wouldn't have to die, so that we could live forever with him. And he makes a simple promise, a simple promise that if you'll hear that message and you'll believe it, your sins will be forgiven and you'll have eternal life. And some of you carry the weight of sin. You've, you've gone to church, man. I, you, we have, since Lifeway Church started, We've seen 850 plus people come to Christ, but the majority of those people were coming to us from other churches. Churches where the gospel wasn't preached, messages were preached, but Jesus himself, what he did for us and our need to conscious, consciously acknowledge what he did and say, I need you as my savior. A lot of people came, a lot of the people that prayed to receive Christ had never actually acknowledged that they need a savior, that they're a sinner who needs Jesus, I am thankful for the day when I was in the United States Marine Corps, laying in my bed, praying a very non-religious prayer while smoking a cigarette. Because Jesus saw through the midst of all that weakness, all that difficulty, he saw right to the heart of a guy who said, I need to be different. I need to be born again. And I can get tears in my eyes for that day because my life changed that day. Some of you need your life to change today. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? If you're here today and you're saying, man, I need my life to change today. I want to hear the voice of God and live. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be religious. I want to enter into this relationship, this covenant relationship with God. If that's you today, would you raise your hand high? I see you. Take such, take such boldness, but God's so loves it when we're bold for him let's pray would you join me in praying say God I ask you to forgive me of my sins Jesus I confess you are Lord and I need you as my savior and you are Lord of my life and I'm asking in Jesus name that you would open my ears my spiritual ears to hear that whisper so that I can lean in that I can hear your whisper above the loudness of my circumstances. And I ask you to help me follow you and not another in all things that I would bring you glory in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's give God thanks for those who said yes to Jesus today. Yeah.